why is this such a sensitive topic? It is. Let me tell you, people don't like it when pastors talk about money. So uh, I'm going to hit the terms as we go through the lesson. I think every one of those just about is in our lesson. You guys have the scripture verse. Uh, the importance of giving is the fact that Jesus was training the disciples. As he's training, uh, teaching the disciples, when the end of it, he said, go into all the world and teach these things. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things. Well, guess what? Teaching makes up teaching about money and stewardship, generosity and sacrifice was a huge part of the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so it is important that we teach this. So we're going to hit this number of subjects. My notes are full. Your notes are full. Uh, so I'm not going to try to rush through this. A lot of this is practical teaching, it's, which means that it's not so much uh, things that you've never heard before. Uh, as much as it is maybe referencing uh, things that you've learned in the past and make an application to this. So why is it such a sensitive topic? Because I'm telling you, I, I, just out of survey, how many of you guys have been in church most or almost all of your life? Okay, which I'm going to say probably half to two-thirds of the people in here. And I promise you from your experience of the churches that you grew up in, the different churches you've been through, they, they, you, you talk about money. I've seen church splits over money. I've seen churches uh, lose their pastor over embezzling money. And then, they, then, then that hits the news. And then, then it's like, did you hear they're all about money and the pastor's all about this? And you've got the ministries that collect all the money and their pastors are flying around in Learjets and living in million, as millionaires. And then, then you've got some churches that never talk about money. They never preach these principles, and then it comes out, and they're just like that. Well, I left that church. They do nothing. Well, they don't do anything because they have no money to do anything with. But the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Well, even the vision of the church takes, takes money. So it's, it, it's important for us to understand that, that money is a vital part of your life. It's a vital part of the teaching of the Bible. It's a vital part of the future of the church. God uses money. God talks about money. So we get off when we begin to uh, make it the primary focus. It's not what we do. We're not building a, uh, bank accounts. We're not trying to pocket money. We're not trying to do these things. And if a church isn't transparent and clear about what they're doing with the money and how they handle it or what it, where it's going to, then it causes controversy in churches. But the Bible says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So when you say, oh, it's, they're all about the money. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. It's the love of money. It, it is the priority. It is when it goes above God or it's the focus of what you do. That's when things get off. It's not money. So when you say that church is all about or person's all about money, uh, when, when it becomes a priority in our lives, and then I say it in our lives, but it also in, in the church. So why is it not a sensitive topic for me? You say, why, why are you going to get up here and teach it? When we were talking about these subjects, I'm like, I want that one for sure. I want to make sure that I teach that because it's in the Bible. I, I, guys, when the Bible says teach the full counsel of God, and you know why it's weird? Do you guys know why sometimes it's weird when they get up and say the pastor's going to preach about money? Do you know why it's weird for people to think that way? Because basically he gets paid by the church. So it's like if he's going to get up there, he's just hooking up himself. I mean, it's like, you know, the better the church does, the better the pastor does, and all these kind of thinking. It, it's about stewardship, honoring God, and putting God first. That's why we talk about money. 
And as the responsibility, I have as much responsibility to talk about money. There's about salvation or anything else because the Bible teaches us to preach the full counsel of God. That's what we do. So Jesus spoke roughly. There's about 2,000 references in the Bible about money and possession. Jesus spoke about money 15% of his preaching. 11 out of the 39 parables were about money. It's a big part of it. You know why? Because God was about the mission of the church and the mission of the church takes money. So the question is, why is there such a big debate? Why, why is this? You say, okay, if it's in the Bible and everything, why is this? It, it, people debate, is the tithe still a thing? If, in some churches, man, that is a hot topic. Man, you get online and Google the question, is tithing a thing? Is it Old Testament? Is it New Testament? Was it done away with? All those, those are huge things. Should the church talk about money? Is it one of those things that we don't talk about? We just let God take care of it. And of course we let God take care of it. But the Bible tells us to preach these passages and it's a part of this. So I stop and just going to ask you guys one big question. It's like, why do we give? Rather than getting into this verse, and we're going to do all that. But the big question that we're asking right now is why, why, do, we, why, why do we give? Well, it's God's money, but okay. Why do we give? To show our faithfulness. Okay, but why do we show our faithfulness? To love God, please God, and reach people. If we start looking about building buildings or, or all these other things, and say, whoa, we've missed it. Everything we do is for the glory of God. Everything that we do is for the advancing of the gospel. So if you're part of a church that's all about building the next world, and so this is the real focus. If the real focus is reaching people and it takes money to reach people, then we should be talking about money. This is just part of it. So let's break this subject down and talk about the different aspects of it, okay? And we're just going to walk our way through it. Number one, what is biblical stewardship? And this is the big picture of this. We want to view this subject from every aspect of Scripture and what the Bible teaches and the number one thing is, everything that we have belongs to God. And, and if we get into the tithe and it's 10% belongs to God, errant, incorrect, that is not true. 100% belongs to God. Your house, your time, your life, your future, your kids, this building, your car, all belongs to God. If we start off in our thinking, it's like, well, this is mine and who are you to tell me what to do? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Everything we have belongs to God. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Everything that he was talking about belongs to God. So we get this passage of understanding stewardship from one of the teachings of Jesus Christ. When we talked about 11 of the 39, well, here's one of them. He's talking about the parable of the stewards. And the Bible says in Matthew 25, 41, and like I was talking about Sunday, sometimes we just teach a portion of Scripture. But when we teach the whole counsel of it, all the pieces being put together, and his Lord said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I mean, we say that at funerals, and we get all worked up about it. Praise God, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we stop by, step back for a second and ask the question, what is well done? I'm not talking about your sake, okay? We're talking about what is well done. What, what, what is it that God is saying that you accomplished is for the heaven? What, what was it that he's saying when you get to heaven was done? It's not owning a business. It's not excelling in sports. It's not your grade point average. It's not all of these things. 
and all of those things, and our eyes would be like, wow, you did awesome. Well, done comes when we did the job that he gave us to, gave us to do. It means that we pleased him. God would say this to us in context of Matthew 25. What is that? And his Lord said unto him, verse 21, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So this is the story of the talents. Now, the Bible tells this story, and he said, let me just paint a picture for you. It says, for the kingdom of heaven. Okay, he's talking about heavenly things, not the temporary, temporary things that we have on this earth. He's talking about heavenly things that he's talking about. So the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, okay, who called his own servants and delivered unto him his goods. So we understand in this story, Jesus is the master. He's the one traveling to a far country. We are his servants. So put it in parallel of what we're talking about. And it says that he gave unto them his goods. You know why that's important? Everything we have belongs to God. So let's read this. This will be the biggest passage that we read of the evening. And he gave unto one five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his, uh, his journey. And then he that received the five talents went and traded the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received the one went and digged it in the earth and hid the Lord's money. He just kept it to himself. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, say, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou to the joy of the Lord. He also that had received the two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I gain two uh, other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, talent in the earth. Lo, there that thou and reaping where thou hast sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there that thou hast is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servants, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Notice what it says in this passage that it was the Lord's. And he's visualizing these teach, uh, the, uh, he's visualizing this mission that he gave us. And the, visual, the thing that he's visualizing to us is everything belongs to God, but he took what he had and he gave them to the servants because the principle that God's given is we are just managers of his possessions. That's all we are. Everything that we have, I have to understand that everything that I have in my life, my car, my money, my kids, my marriage, my talents, everything belongs to God. So everything that I have, I have to spend, do, take care of all the things the way that God's called me to because I'm just a manager of God's possessions. It's kind of like if you're a manager of a building or a manager of a job or something like that. I think I'm going to do it this way. No, you have to do it and manage it according to the one that owns the property or owns the business. It's not up to you. Everything belongs to God. So he said in verse 14 and 15, he was talking about the one that gave five talents, two and, uh, and one. So we're all different. But a talent is simply a certain weight or a coin or rather a sum of money. It represents the wealth or the possessions that we have. Now, all of us are different. 
You know, some of us make more or have more possessions and different things like that. And the Lord was acknowledging that not all of us are the same, but it represents our wealth. But he gave them different amounts. And God has blessed us differently. God has equipped us differently. And that, that happens with the number of kids that we have or our possessions of our cars or the talents that we have or the time that we have that we're able to free time or whatever, blessed with homes and jobs and incomes. But in all that we have, we must remember that we are to do it according to what the master has given us. And we're so blessed by this. We are stewards of God's blessing. We're to use what God has given us for the mission. That's what he did. To invest it in the Lord's work. And that's what the principle, when he said, well done, it's because they took what they had and they invested it and was able to go back to the master and said, look what I've done with what I've had. And, but there was one that said, you know what, I'm going to keep it to myself. I'll be referencing this a lot, but uh, I was going to do this with apples, but then I thought this made sense and it was already upstairs. So here we go. But a lot of times that we have, we, we try to hoard what we have. And God's saying, whatever I've given you of those parables, let's just call these the talents, I've given them to you to invest in missions, invest in the Sarah Wideners, to invest in Vacation Bible School. And what happens is for the kingdom of heaven is 13 kids were saved during Bible school. So we come back as a result of that, and we're giving this back to the Lord Jesus Christ because all that we have is for the ministry. All that we have is for the glory of God. All that we have that matters that we're going to take with us is the souls that we reach. The one guy held on to it. And the Bible says that the work of God is about multiplication. That's why he says, give and it shall be given unto you. And we'll go through that here in a minute. But the Bible says, for whom too much is given, to him much shall be required. Required. It's, it's just required. This is what you do with what we have. To whom much is given, much shall be required. It's asked back of it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's not up to you. It's not ours. We must use the money, the talents, the abilities, all for the glory of God. But if you notice the different results and you say it just doesn't matter, it does matter. When he said one, well done, to the others, he said, thou wicked and slothful servant. We're not going to get into it right now, but in Malachi, in the Old Testament, when they had the command to give to the money for the sake of the temple, the tabernacle, and all those kind of things, and people were hoarding what they had, they were robbing God of the blessings that he gave them, and he called them out on it. So all that we have belongs to God, that's stewardship. So when we get into this, it's not my money. And we have that mindset, it's all, it's all God's money. All that we have is given to us and we manage them because it's God's blessings. We're just managers of God's blessings. And we are to use what we have for the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom. Let's get into a second principle about money and possessions. And that is, what is the preeminence of God? Okay, and if you've heard, been in the church for a while, you've heard me teach on this. I'm passionate about this because I believe that it is one of the major principles when it comes to giving. Okay, and he said he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things that he might have the preeminence. In all things. I just want to lay that out there. It's not God just saying in your money or in your time or in your marriage or in your parenting or whatever. God just made it very clear. In all things, he might have the preeminence. Now, the preeminence is a big word. I don't think we use that on a daily basis. But it simply means to be first. To be first. 
It's, that, that, that's what it means. It's whatever God's saying and making a point to us that I, I want to be first in your time. That, that's, that's why the Bible talks about starting the day off in prayer and seeking the Lord. And uh, he want, he's, to be, he's not, he's not going to take leftovers in our life. That's just not what God does. He's not going to take backseat. And we put first whatever is vitally important. What matters to us? What's at the heart? That's what we put. It's an it's, it's a order of rank and respect. So the preeminence of God means that he's to be first in all things. That's why the Bible says when Jesus was teaching, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God says in your heart, your mission is to be first. And the Bible declares God to be first. Maybe you've recognized this. Maybe you haven't. But the Bible says in Genesis 1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. That was it. You know how everything started? In the beginning, God. God was at the beginning. If you go to Revelation and you read in the first chapter, he says in Revelation chapter 1, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You go to Revelation chapter, last chapter 22, you get to that one. He closes it out in Revelation and adds to the last chapter again, I'm the, I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the, the beginning and the end. He puts it in there again. Showing in all things that God is to have the preeminence in our lives. He will not be second. God will not take our leftovers. To illustrate this in the Bible, we have the story of, uh, of the, I guess you could say, like the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And if you get into that and you start studying the people that were brought out in that scripture... Abel is the first character. And you think about it. Abel didn't drop no giant. Abel never split the Red Sea. Abel never walked into the lion's den. But if you talk about the hall of faith of everybody else, it talks about Jericho, the Red Sea, and it talks about Gideon, and it talks about all these people. So the question is, how did this dude named Abel, that literally just lived a short time and was murdered, make it into there before he ever did anything? So the Bible says, by faith, that was the key. It was all about faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, if you get into that, I've heard people say in the past, well, the reason why his offering was more acceptable than his brother's is because it wasn't a blood sacrifice versus it being of the fruit of the ground. But if you get into Leviticus, and I have another passage in here that lists all those things, they had grain offerings and everything else that they would bring before God. It's what he had. It was of what he produced. It was from, they didn't make cash, money, coins. They had what they raised. So if you go into the story, the Bible gives us the example of the preeminence of God. About giving is about faith, and giving is about the preeminence of God. So in Genesis 4, 2, when we read the story, and this is the whole story of Cain right here, the whole thing. And she again bare brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, not the first, brought all the fruit of the ground, and offered it unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the what? Firstlings of his flock, and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Abel gave of the fruit, and Cain gave of the firstlings. So this is, let me go to this example of this. It's different when you only have one versus if like, I, I've got all this built up and like, yeah, he can have this one. Okay. That's not how God works. But if you take what he had, 
where Cain was like uh, sitting there and was like, well, Lord, this is all I have, but you come first. You can have this. Do you know why this is faith? Because if I give it to him, I have to rely on God to give me more. Does that sound like another story in the Bible? It's a story of Abraham and Isaac. I'm going to make you so... Uh, your, your family's going to be a, this, like the sands of the sea. It's a, I'm going I'm, I'm to bless you and the stars in the sky. He said that. He has one kid that's a promised kid, and he's an old man, and she's an old woman. And God says, okay, you have one, and I'm going to bless you with more. What are you to do with the one? You give it to God. That is Faith. And, and we, we make it about all these other things. In reality, you, guys, this is the principle that God is to be first in our life, to pre- have, the, the, have the preeminence in our lives. God, there's only one place that God can bless in your life. There's only one place that God wants to be in your life. He must be first. So the question that God asks in every aspect when it comes to your, your time, and I'm just be honest, if we say, I don't have time to witness or time to share my faith, what else is taking your time? That's the question. It, it, when it comes to money, it's the same thing. If you're just like, oh, I'm so broke all the time, and God, God's just staring down at that Starbucks drink in your hand going, really? Really? Six, 25. Yeah, I was like, hey, or, or, or the, your, your, the Netflix that you have that monthly subscription to, or you go to Applebee's or, or Charlie's or whatever, and you order that appetizer, that's just a meal on top of the meal. Talk about gluttony for Americans or whatever. Just, you know, it's just that's how we are. We go to a restaurant, they don't put the, the, the amount that a drink costs when you order a drink anymore. Then you get the bill and it's $4 for iced tea or a pop or whatever, 3 to $4. It's amazing how we don't mind spending money but then at the end of it, so many people say, I just can't afford to give. And God asked the question of this. It's where do I rank in your life? Because God demands, requires the preeminence of God. You can't afford not to. So this is an important thing. When, then when it comes to God, the question is, does God get the leftovers? So do you give of your time to God? I, I believe that every Christian should be serving God and every Christian should be witnessing for God. That's stewardship. I, I've got 24 hours in a day and a lot of more hours in the week. I didn't do the math, sorry. But you know what I'm saying. Like, how much of that does God get? And a lot of people, it's like they'll work and do all these things and have Saturday and they won't even give the hour and a half for worship service on Sunday. The question comes in, God says, where do I rank in your time? Because remember, a primary priority of our life is God and all things. He must have the preeminence in our lives. Do you give of your abilities to God? Do you give your money to God? God requires the preeminence of our lives. Okay, let me move on because I know I've got, I've, we're, we're going to hit this whole lesson tonight. Here we go. So it brings us to a question, is the tithe still a thing? And, and I know it's like some of you are like, yeah, I knew he was going to hit this because, man, this is controversial with a lot of people. Is the tithe still a thing? So let's just hit this biblically. I'm not going to hit it traditionally or what I think or how I grew up or what I was taught. Number one, tithing is a biblical teaching. Okay, it is in the Bible. Uh, tithing is, according to the Bible, it's a tenth or uh, 10% of your income or whatever God has prospered given to the local church. Tithing started in Genesis chapter 14 with Abraham 
And this was even before uh, Isaac and things like that. God established the, the tithe. And Malachi ends in the Old Testament about giving and tithing. And he says, will a man rob God? Yeah, you have robbed me. You have say, where if you have robbed thee, and he said, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there might be meat in mine house. And prove me uh, now wherewith, saith to the Lord of hosts, I will, I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour out a, a blessing, and there shall not be enough room to receive it. So that's, that, that's the Old Testament. We have that in Scripture. And the, the reason for the tithe, and I put this definition in there, is that's how the Levites were paid, and that's how they took care of the temple and the tabernacle and all those kind of things. But I'm telling you, in the Old Testament, it was the law. So much the law that when they didn't do it, he said, you are thieves. You are robbers. I mean, he didn't play. He said, will I not hold back the windows of heaven and not bless you because you have robbed me? Because if God was not receiving the preeminence of God. So it was, it was important of that. The tithe was required of the law, which the Israelites were to give 10% of the crops that they grew and the livestock where they raised for all these ministries that they had. And that's mentioned Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Chronicles, and all these things. But I know what you're thinking. We don't debate if it's in the Bible. We debate if it's still true in the New Testament. Carl, I'll get to these. I'm, I'm going to try to go because I've got like a, a lot to go. And I, I just put too much in this lesson. But to be honest, I felt like I didn't want to get through this and not hit these things. I feel like a lot of pastors, it's easier just to touch on Malachi and not go into the New Testament. I don't want to be that guy. So... Getting into the debate about 10%, it's a matter of Old Testament versus New Testament, or a matter of law versus grace. And some people say the law of the Old Testament was that you better pay your tithes, and the law of the New Testament is you are to give by grace. So which one is correct? Because the New Testament does not emphasize or command the tithe like the Old Testament did. You won't find Malachi chapter 3, a passage like that in the New Testament. But also we have the debate because nowhere does God command the tithe in the New Testament or does he do away with the tithe in the New Testament? Or did God just assume that it would be passed on? And all these people, I've heard all these arguments, was just assumed it was passed on. So what, what is the point of this? When it comes to tithing, here's just some things that I want to talk about, okay? Let's just look at the big picture of this. What was the purpose of the tithe, okay, of the Old Testament? It was a spiritual discipline to put God first in their financing, finances. It was God's people giving to meet the needs for the work of God. And one thing that I get, before we get into the technical aspects of that, I ask the question, have either of those things changed? The priority of God being first, the preeminence of God, has not changed at all. Has not changed at all. And the work of God to continue only raised after the cross, it did not diminish whatsoever. So have these things changed? Not at all. So what does the New Testament teach about giving? Okay, so the, the question is, where, what does it say? So let's get into that. Rather than saying what it doesn't say and going to the Old Testament, let's just dive into what it does say. Was there a change from Old Testament to New Testament? Yes. I will not deny that we went from law to grace. That is not, not a question at all. We went from worshiping in a location to when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well he said, you worship, should we worship on this mountain or the other mountain? He said, there's coming a time that you're going to worship me in spirit and the truth. He was talking about the fact that we would become the temple of God and that we would worship all the time. We didn't have to run to a building where the Shekinah glory would shine down on them. 
we went from having the priest to having the priesthood of the believers to where we now have direct access to God. Did things change? Absolutely. But let me show you what God did to raise the bar of the New Testament, okay? We are to give to the Lord through the New Testament church. That is not debatable. It's not a question. It's not, it's not left out of the Bible in 1 Corinthians 16, 11, or 16, 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, which is the preeminence of God, let every one of you lay by him in store that God has prospered you, that there be no gatherings when I come. So the Bible is saying, who should give? The saints, those that are part of the body of Christ. And where should we give? The local church. That is established. So if we were like making a checklist, okay, what does it say? We're debating tithing versus grace giving and all this other stuff. So we put it up there. Christians are to give. Christians are to give to the local church. The instructions were for the local church. Number two, we are now to give from the heart. Now, now let me show you this. This is Jesus teaching or mentioning the tithe in his teaching. Okay, so it is in the New Testament, but not in the way that you might think. He said, Why, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, that you pay of the mint and the anise and the cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, not to leave the, uh, the one other undone. What was Jesus undress, or addressing in this passage? He was saying for them, he wasn't saying not to tithe. That's what he was saying. He was saying there's a problem with you. Now, I, let's, it gives these uh, herbs or these seasonings that that's what he was saying. And they were so particular that you can imagine us going home and taking our cinnamon out of the, uh, out of the cabinet, okay? And dumping the cinnamon out. And then dividing that in the tents and then sliding a 10% of that Oh, that, that, that would come in or whatever that was in, putting it into a baggie and bringing it into the church and said, here's my tithe. He said, you're so meticulous about tithing of the little things. But he said, you know what? You've left out the weightier things. You've left out faith. You've left out, what, what did he say? Faith and all these different things that you've done, judgment, mercy, faith. You've, you've left that out. It's not about a have to thing. He said, you, you've made it about like crossing the T's and, and checking the boxes. He said, you've waited, uh, left out what is so important. Jesus was dealing with their hearts. It's not just about giving and tithing, but the physical act of giving because you, you love God and you love the ministry of God. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He said, you, you, he said, let me just tell you, you invest and you give to what you care about, what you love. He raised the bar in the New Testament because you talk about the 10%. Let, let's just see what the Bible actually says about giving of yourself, giving in general. Whereas to give and live sacrificially. Sacrifice is a principle throughout the Bible. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten son. It's a matter of, it's the first, the first, the first. You see that all through scripture, sacrifice to go without something that is good in order to give to the need or cause of others. Jesus was not introducing or talking about the 10%. He gave his entire life. He held nothing back. And this principle was given throughout the entire New Testament. You talk about sacrifice, sacrificially giving. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. We talk about 
giving to others, Jesus was saying he gave his life for them. He said in Romans 12:1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Literally, it's not God gets a portion of it. Man, it's, it's all or nothing. Think, think about the illustration when Jesus was teaching and he talked about giving. All right, let's, you, you want to debate giving? Let's talk about it. And there came a certain poor woman and she threw in two mites, which makes a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say to you that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which to cast into the treasury. For they did cast in of their abundance, but she, of her want, did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So you guys just think about it for a minute. What was the principle? What was Jesus teaching about? She came in giving all that she had for the sake of the ministry that was giving. And it wasn't talking about measuring it out or how much or how little that I could or could not give. She gave of what she had. And Jesus emphasized What did he do? He pointed out and said, let me just make a point out. She gave more than all the rest of them combined. Do you guys get the message that Jesus was teaching? It was sacrifice of that. It's not getting by. It's not giving God leftovers. It was sacrifice. Let me me point out another theme of the New Testament. You're talking about what does the New Testament talk about? We are to live and give uh, generously. I had it. It was coming generosity is willingness to give liberally of one's money or time for the sake of others. Liberally. Not holding anything back. And that's how God has taught us all through Scripture. Uh, we've all been blessed when somebody's generous with something like that. If, if you go through a serving line or whatever and they see you and they like scoop a big scoop of mashed potatoes down and they dump it, you go, look what I got. It's like they, they were super generous with their portions. It's a matter of they didn't hold back. They were, they were gave in abundance is what that was talking about when we do that. Generosity happens when we live out the character of Jesus Christ. Grace is giving what is not deserved. They experience something different about us. To be honest, I truly believe that the tithe was nothing more than the training wheels for giving of the New Testament. It was a guide to generosity. Because the New Testament teaches to go above and beyond because Jesus went above and beyond. We make it about a number, and God brought it to another level and made it about sacrifice and generosity. It says at the beginning of the church, you talk about what the ministry to flourish and to go forward. You talk about how did they give. Well, let's look at how they gave. And Acts, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is over, after we're past Malachi and we get into the New Testament church which we live, and it says, and they sold their possessions and their good and parted them all to all men as every man had need. Where's the 10% in that? It was generosity and sacrifice for the sake of the ministry and the sake of others. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully, which is generosity, shall reap also bountifully. You reap what you sow. The Bible says again about giving in the New Testament. He says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure where it was meet with all that shall be measured unto you again. He said, you, you want to know how it's going to be measured unto you? Just measures out how you gave to others, or to the church, or to God, or the ministry, the mission. Give, and it shall be given unto you. We are nothing more than conduit. 
Dominic, if, if you'll help me with an illustration really fast, come up here. I want you to play God for just a minute. Okay, yeah, you're going you're gonna to play this. So this, this illustration of this is literally, go ahead and you play God and you give me, just, just give to me, just give me one. Just give me one. Okay, give. Okay, and I'm going to give to Sarah Widener for missions. This is what I'm doing. Give, and it shall be given unto you. You guys get the point right here. Do you know what my job is? I'm just the conduit. I'm just the delivery boy. That's all I am. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Remember, I'm nothing more than a manager of God's blessings. He has a ministry of what he wants to do, and all I am do is doing is carrying it out. And I'm sitting there, okay, give unto me again. And I'm thinking, okay, what, what, if, I, what, what, what if I don't have more of this? You know what? I've got to be cautious. I've got to be cautious. Well, he jumped ahead of me a little bit, but he's getting the point across. The point is, if God has it, he's going to bless. And he's going to, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. But what happens is, and this is the parable of the sower, or the parable of the steward. If I'm going to take that and then hide it to that, then he can't trust him anymore. Because this is a matter of, I'm not accomplishing the work that he gave to do. I'm robbing God. And I know I'm not talking about Malachi right now, but I'm just talking about Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 25 when he talked about this never belonged to me. It was about carrying out the work of God. Thank you so much. You guys are good sports. I know, but that was going to But that principle is so easy for us to understand is give and it shall be given unto you. Generosity is the theme of the New Testament. That's why we have the woman's mind. That's why we have the woman that anointed the feet of Jesus and poured all that she had out. That's why when you talk about forgiveness, shall we forgive seven times? Jesus said 70 times seven. Generosity. If someone asks you to go a mile, you go two. Somebody asks you for their cloak, give them their shirt also. To live out generosity. Why is this so important? Because it's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. And Jesus is the example that came to set before us. God can't bless hoarders. You say that, how is that? Lord, Lord, what did I do? I I dug a, a hole and I buried it and now it's all safe. And God said, that's not what I gave you to do. I didn't ask you to hoard it. I asked you to use it. God blesses gener- generosity and sacrificial giving. Every man according that he had purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, not out of necessity, but God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. Because it is the matter. Dominic, mean, you don't have to get up. You have, it, it's fun when you give to somebody like this, and you go back and God constantly is supplying your need. It's, it almost is exciting. If anybody that's been involved in giving, you've lived this out. You know what it means to have God constantly supplying your need. Do you know what it happens a lot of times? And I've got stories and you've got stories. And I've got, I, I almost included these, but for the sake of time that I, this comes with the story. Every single time God supplies and says, man, I was so broken. I didn't know what to do, but I gave anyways. And man, I trusted God and Man, this is so cool because God gave this to me and then you pass it on to somebody else and you, you, there's, there's joy that comes with it. Shouldn't be in the Old Testament, you have robbed me. You know, that's the, the thinking that we have. And God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just live gener- gen- generosity, generously. <laughs> Instead, it should be, man, this is 
awesome. Look what I get to be part of. Amen. It says in the next verse of that passage, and we're, we're memorizing verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 7. Look at verse 8. And the God that is able to make all grace abound towards you. You know what grace is? You getting what you don't deserve. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. God takes care of them that takes care of his work. God takes care of them that follows and obeys him. Amen. Says in that verse, and let me reemphasize this, given it shall be given unto you, and I showed you that. But let me show you the return that God gave, and God said, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You talk about specific, that is specific of how God gives. But also let me show you the New Testament. We are to worship God through giving. There's a story of the woman that had the alabaster box, and she stood at the feet of Jesus, and they, they argued and said, could that not have been given in other ways and all the expense and everything that it was? She took that box, she busted it open, and she poured it on Jesus. You know what she was doing in that moment? She said she was giving of her tithe. No, she was worshiping her Savior. And, 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 and you know what Jesus said in that next passage? He said, Verily I say you, wherever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman have done to be told of a memorial of her. You talk about this woman that had nothing but this ointment, the dump on the feet of Jesus. And Jesus turns and says about her generosity that she held nothing back and said, let that be preached of all the world of what it truly means to be gener generous with what God has given us. And you ask the question, but what if I can't afford to give? And I have people say this all the time, is where do I start? And, and, and I, I, I say this just as simply as this, just start. Just start. You, you know how you take a journey of faith? With one footstep in front of the other. That's, that's, that's what a journey of faith is. It's just, it's just trusting God. It's, it's just making the first move. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith is moving forward when nothing makes sense. That's what faith is. It's like, I don't, I don't know where my money is going to come from or whatever, but that is what trusting God is. If you, if you had this, and you're like, all right, God, let's go forward. Like, I trust you. That's easy. Faith is when you don't have this, and you just have this, and you got, God, what am I going to do? That's faith. That's Abraham. That's Cain and Abel's story that we have right there. That's everything else in the story. That's trusting God. If, I, I know so many people that are strapped in life, and, they, and I know what happens is we get credit cards and to this and to that, and uh, we, just, we just build ourselves up to the point where we get strapped. And I'll tell you, God is the one that can turn all that around because God doesn't want us to live strapped. And if you want to know more about that, the last thing is that we're, we want to give you guys information about financial peace and things like that, of how to tear apart the debt in your life and be able to stand on your own two feet. Because a lot of times we're in bondage, bondage to debt, bondage to high credit card interest rates and all those other things to where we can't. You say, I want to, but I can't. Well, then, then fight that beast that's in your life. If you, if you give nothing, start by giving something. If you give at random, start by giving consistently. If you give consistently, start living generously. And watch God grow your faith. And I think this is so important for us to understand these foundational principles in our lives. When I was a kid, and I know I've told a lot of this a thousand times, but I tell you what, my mom and dad, the, the, I remember the first time that I ever got paid for anything, that was going to work with my dad, and I got 10 bucks. Okay, that was my, my whole day's wage. And I'm talking, we got up at the crack of dawn, 
and we came home in the dark, and I worked construction with my dad doing uh, vinyl siding on houses. And I worked all day cleaning up the job, picking up every nail and piece of scrap metal and everything, putting it all in the truck. I worked morning till night. I got $10, okay? But let me tell you, when I was like 10 years old, $10 was a lot, okay? I, was, I thought I was living high on the hog. That was a big deal to me. My, my dad would count out my paycheck or my money in the, in the truck. He would give me $5 bill and five ones. My dad did this every time. And he counted out, and he said, let me show you how this is. Five, six, seven, eight, Tony, belongs to you. And this last one belongs to God. Now, I'm not arguing the tenth or the tithe or however you guys want to do this, whatever. But my dad, from the very beginning, was teaching me that God comes first. Amen. But you realize when I got a regular job making $4.23 an hour at Winn-Dixie on Highway 67 in Decatur, Alabama, that was my first job, and I made $4.23, and I remember getting a check after a couple of weeks of making a hundred and some dollars. It was easier to pay my tithes and give up my money to God and put God first and everything. And I wasn't just talking 10%. My, my parents taught me to be generous and we gave to missions, we gave to outreach, we did all those kind of things. But I learned to give at the basics of, of the talents of one versus I grew to two before I could grow to five. Because if I could give the dollar, it was easier to give the $10 when I started making a hundred dollars. And the problem is, if we don't teach those spiritual disciplines in our lives, that it doesn't make sense when you're making $100,000 and $200,000 and the Chevy dealership gets a $650 payment for theirs and your, your Geico and, and your credit card and everything else in your vacation and things. And then God, what happens at the end of it is I can't afford to give because you've put everything else in this world before God. Right. And we wonder why America is so strapped for money. We're in debt uh, on every angle, and we, we struggle, and then we think we should do more with the church, but we can't. Guys, this wasn't some sort of speech that I'm giving you because I'm trying to get the offerings up. This is simply about obeying God. And by the way, every person on this staff tithes and gives and missions just like everybody else. It's not a matter of we don't have to do that because we're on staff. No, we give and do because it says it in the Bible. You know why I do it? Because I want God's blessings as I give. I want it to be given unto me. I trust God. Faith. There's nobody above faith. There's nobody that uh, is not required to live this way. The New Testament is about generosity. The New Testament is about sacrifice. The New Testament is about faith. The New Testament was about you can't outgive God. I'm not just saying that. You cannot outgive God. And I'm not going to get all personal with my finances and stuff like this, but I can tell you, the ups and downs about how God has blessed me through the years of what God's done. I remember when we were in Bible college, and I'm just, I, I don't know your story when it comes to this, but I can tell you my story. I can tell you guys, when we were in Bible college, we got behind, and I remember when we had to get tires, and we had no money to get tires. We used our tithe money, just being honest. We, gave, we, 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 we just, we got into this thing, we got behind, and I told Jenny, we'll pay it back, and this. Well, then we had another problem and another problem and another problem. And I felt like we were just on this downward spiral. And me and Jenny were so broken over this because I, I felt like, like I literally, I felt like I was just ripping off God. And we struggled so bad. I mean, we got into so much of a mess and I didn't have rich parents. She didn't have rich parents. And we just got into this and we were poor, paying Bible college, working two jobs and all this other stuff. 
And me and Jenny sat down and I said, we just have to do this. And she was all on board. We just put our hearts together and we just started giving again. Let me tell you, we graduated from college almost completely debt-free when we moved here from that. And you say, how is that possible? Guys, I'm not saying this right. I mean, only God, only God. Because when I look back, I have no idea. But God must be first in your life. God must be first in your life. It's not about money. It's about where does he rank? Yes. 